Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the third installment of the Extra Canon podcast. Today is a preview and a review. Uh, we're going to go through the Olympiacos game. Obviously, a fantastic victory for Arsenal 3 1. Uh, three away goals as well. That's just it's what we like to see, isn't it, Mac? And um, then, of course, we're going to preview the big North London derby on uh, on Sunday, which uh, is is bound to be a boring nil nil. Um, anyway, uh, today I am joined by the only usual suspect on this show because, of course, it is a two man job. I am well. I welcome Mac Johnson. How are you today, Matt? I'm doing great. I'm having a great time. Um, just still buzzing after yesterday. It was fantastic result. Um, and I'm really excited for this weekend because, you know, it's been a while since we've had a North London Derby that we can actually enjoy and celebrate. But, you know, I'm, I'm taking a little different tack. I think this okay. one's going to be okay. a lot that, of That's good to hear. Uh, I mean, I'll get, I'll get more of your, your views on that later on in the show. But, uh, first I guess, uh, we should talk about, that victory last night, uh, I mean, it was, it was a typical Arsenal roller coaster, especially a, a typical Arsenal performance of late. Um, we had mistakes galore, fantastic goals, chance after chance. Uh, I guess a good place to start would be the lineup. Um, were there any surprises for you, Mac? No, I mean, I think it's a pretty standard lineup. Um, I was a little bit annoyed by the inclusion of Willian. But I think, especially against slightly lower skill opposition, um, he can definitely thrive when he's kind of given the space mm. to really stretch his legs, uh, which is something we've seen him do a lot more recently. Other than that, I think the lineup was pretty unsurprising. You know, we came out trying to make a statement. Arteta said in the midweek that he wouldn't really be focusing on Spurs until after we had done away with Olympiacos, which, thank God, we did. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was a lineup intended to crush an opposition, and it worked. It was pretty much full strength. Yeah, it was. Um, I, I, get, I get what you mean about Willian, but he's making it, it difficult to for Mikel Arteta to drop him, to be fair. I mean, he what is it? Um, four or five matches all uh, in a row, all, all with assists, and... I know they're not exactly like brilliant line-breaking passes, but they're assists at the end of the day. Um, and that, that cross to Gabriel, which we'll definitely get onto later when we dissect that goal, uh, it wasn't exactly a world-class cross, but it was put into an area which uh, Gabriel made the most of. And um, the thing with Willian, I think, is that... Um, I think that he's a player who isn't really ever our best player on the pitch but he's always sort of in and around the the mix at the moment in terms he, he's not dropping disaster classes and I think that's sort of what what we we signed Willian for uh someone who can consistently just produce important moments in matches and, and I think that is what he produced uh sort of yesterday I thought he was a decent performer would you agree with that Oh, absolutely. And I think that's what he did for Chelsea yeah. for years. You know, there were maybe one or two seasons where he was kind of the standout, but he had to compete with Pedro. And then, you know, of course, it was Hazard mm. on that wing for years who just took all the spotlight. Um, but he was his consistent, quiet self. You know, he puts in crosses. He has good set piece delivery um, and he has an eye for an assist. And that's kind of always been his game. Um, and I think he's also at an age where, 
you can't really expect him to, you know, gallivant up and down the touchline and to do all of these crazy skills. But now that he's actually found a measure of consistency, his worth is coming to the fore. I think the issue that a lot of fans, including myself, took with him earlier this year was that he was signed to be a consistent presence and he ended up slowing down play Mm. and really kind of nullifying our attack instead of augmenting it. Um, And honestly, his presence is almost Granite (laughs) Jaka-like. Yeah. And this is a weird comparison. But like in terms of he isn't there to be a standout performer. He's not there to put in, you know, eight out of 10 performances. He's there to give a six or seven out of 10 performance, but do what he can do consistently. Um, Yeah. You know, Jaka is never going to give you a man of the match performance or most of the time isn't. Mm. But as long as he doesn't drop howlers, he can be an amazing asset to any team. And I think that's, you know, Arteta is actually really trying to build a spine around that, which I can appreciate. Yeah, I mean, after the chaos uh, that was the first half of the season in terms of such low creativity, I mean, can you really blame Arteta for just putting three old ultra-creative sources in behind your lethal striker in Pierre-America Bamiang? I mean, you can think of worse combinations, can't you? Yeah, and, you know, credit to him, it's working. Um, he... The one thing I think that I really do like about it right now is that he keeps surprising us. You know, how yeah. how many people were posting whatever about El Nenny coming on two minutes later, <laughs> deleting those tweets because, <laughs> you know, okay, yes, Arteta's not brought him on to score worldy. He's brought him on to kind of secure a result and provide a little bit of stability to a midfield that's making mistakes. But, you know, it's just, it's kind of constant vindication that at least choices are being made for a reason. And more often than not, in recent matches, they've, you know, they've been vindicated and they've been proven to be right. Yeah, I would agree. Um, okay, let, let's get into the the meat and drink of sort of what summarised Arsenal lately. Uh, let's just get the negativity out of the way. What is going on with these mistakes, Mac? Like, talk me through it. What's your hypothesis? I've got some ideas, but I'm interested to hear what what you've got to say on this matter. Well, I mean, it's you'll notice most of our mistakes are coming in one of two situations. They're coming in transition plays where we don't have the mobility to cover back. Um, the you know the Jaka error to um, Pablo Mari stepping off to cover the pace of Jamie Vardy because David Luiz hasn't shouted at mm. him and El Nenny hasn't gotten back because he's not the quickest and Bellerin is too far exposed. You know that whole debacle, um, and also the Ceballos header to Rafa Silva where he tried to play it back, fluffed it, Silva scores that almost killed us against Benfica. Those are because we lack pace in transitions and our players worry about lacking pace in transitions. And so they try to play the safe option and fail um, because they are nervous and not confident. The other issue comes in breaking the press, you know, in passing out from the back and in really committing a man before you play the ball sometimes. Uh, doing that involves actually playing into pressure to draw people in and then use the flanks. And clearly our team is not confident passing through that situation. I think we saw a lot of good from Partey doing that. And we saw a lot of not so good from Ceballos doing that because he has this tendency, as I think we've talked about in the past, to get the ball stuck under his feet and to take too many touches, which means under pressure, he's going to be rushed. He's going to be hurried. It's not going to be easy, you know? And so I think... Yeah, our players just need more confidence in playing out from the back. They whether it's a training simulation or just playing in the system more, 
we're finally getting the ground roots down of a consistent style of play. Now we just need to become confident implement. Yeah. Well, I guess over the course of the last two matches, the two star moments, of course, against Burnley, unfortunately, we didn't have a main show this week. Apologies for that. Uh, Daniel and Alfie have incredibly busy lives. um, So, but we'll make sure to be back next week. Uh, Regardless, it was the Shaka mistake on on Saturday. Um, and then yesterday, it, it, I guess it's between Leno and, and Sabayos. I think on the weekend, everyone was pretty sure it was it was Shaka. Where do you hold the blame with, with the, the Olympiakos mistake? Um, I think it's pretty even. Mm-hmm. Unlike the Shaka mistake, Leno does play a, an absolute hospital pass yeah. to the feet of Danny Sabayos. It's not a good pass, you know? He's underweighted him. He's put it away from his stride. Fine, fair. But I think the recovery speed from Ceballos needs to be quicker. You know, he's in the lineup for a reason. He's in the lineup to be able to circulate the ball and to be able to kind of cover those mistakes. Um, And I would argue he has the defensive tenacity to do so, but he doesn't have the speed of play. Um, and I think, of course, there's criticism for Leno. His distribution has always been the worst part of his game, and consider how much he's improved even mm. since signing. But, you know, I think he now plays in a system that mostly covers his weaknesses, assuming the outfield players do what they need to do. Um, and this was an example where he made a mistake, and then Ceballos made a further mistake that made the mistake, you know, all the more glaring. So I think I'll put, I'll put the blame on our number eight, but um, I don't think Leno's entirely faultless. Of course, however, the, they weren't the only mistakes, like glaring mistakes we made uh, last night, though. I mean, we had Martin Erdegaard um, passing it, it, it almost too far in front of, of Gabriel, uh, and then the Olympiacos player latched onto that. Fortunately, didn't come to anything. And then David Luiz just before half time. I mean, that was criminal from a, a man of his experience. He just knocked it into uh, the Olympiacos winger's feet and. I mean, if that's a Premier League player, that that ball's finishing up in the top corner. I mean, this is this is a really worryingly running theme. I mean, I think uh, you you could partially ascribe it to to mental fatigue. I mean, these guys have been playing nonstop for a really long time, and these errors are just comical. Uh, it's not what you expect from a f- professional footballer, but I guess there's also an argument that these players might just not be good enough. Yeah, I suppose so. And I think part of it as well is when you make these errors consistently every game and then go into things with the mindset of, oh, I'm going to try my hardest not to slip up, not to make a mistake, right? Mm. If that's being drilled into you constantly, then you're going to start thinking about making mistakes far more than you ordinarily would. You know, it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy in the sense of the more you think about, I don't want to cock it up, the more likely you are to do just that. So I think honestly... The first week when we don't have Europa League play, which I think is, I don't know. No, I think we do, assuming we beat Olympiacos, which I think we will. Um, I think it's almost immediately after the Liverpool game uh, the next week. I'm not sure if the international break bisects that or not. But yeah, yeah, so I think the next time we actually do have time just to kind of relax and unwind, but as a squad to really work yeah. on the more mental side of the game when it's not just fixtures flying thick and fast. I think, you know, we will see these errors lessen and cease because as with every 
you know, aspect of football without fans, it just forms patterns. And it's, you know, it's really hard to undo those at times. You can see teams like Liverpool or formerly Chelsea under Lampard with the losing streaks they go on, right? They're making history because they're stuck in a rut. So are we. We're stuck in a rut mm. of being very productive creatively, but also making stupid mistakes and the patterns just not change. Yeah, I think you make a really good point with that that sort of mental block. I mean, if I'm being honest, Mac, would you agree with me that um, sort of these mistakes in the build-up, building out from the bat, they haven't been characteristic of Arsenal this season? Yeah. Um, I, I, I wouldn't say so anyway. I think that the mistakes we've made have been more, as you mentioned earlier, sort of in transition um, and elsewhere just you know the red cards that spring to mind and uh against wolves the mis- the mistake which led to david Luiz getting sent off was leno going long when he shouldn't have gone long he should have perhaps even booted the ball out of play or from the goal kick or maybe even just built up from the back and just kept hold of the ball um i think this is a really recent thing and building up from the back is mentally challenging you've got to be able to to cope with a press and to then once you've coped with it you've got to make sure that you have the tools and the decision making to to beat it uh so my sort of viewpoint is that once these guys get it out their heads that they're making these mistakes the mistakes stop yeah i agree and i think one player who has been not immune to them but less likely to make a mistake this season, especially from the back, has been Gabriel, who I know we wanted to talk about. Um, Yeah, and I think he is probably our most press-resistant defender, um, simply because he is very Mm. good at taking one or two touches and finding a pass. Um, You know, David Luiz does have a little bit of a thought to dribble sometimes, which I'm not the biggest fan of, and holding can be a little clumsy in possession, but no, I think Gabriel might be the key to that although mary's composure can't be overlooked uh what did you think of gabrielle yesterday i want your thoughts oh wow where where do i start mac he was i'm glad that we can now take the show onto a more positive road because it was a really positive result gabrielle was was so so good throughout the game i mean that yellow card he got was just he was just so unlucky to get that the referee was deceived by the uh, Olympia, I think it was Valbuena who went down and, and it, it was a scream yellow card, almost similar to the one Peter's got for Burnley when, when Lacazette went down at the weekend. Uh, but other than that, Gabriel's passing was superb. Um, he was defensively really astute. Uh, I, I can remember one moment in uh, sort of dying embers of the second half, he, he um made a really crucial interception and that was as a result of him playing as a front foot defender which he really he loves to do uh, and I love that that aspect of Gabriel's game and um, that header I mean I think Charlie one of our writers from We Love Your Arsenal put in the group chat um, that's one of the best headers I've seen in my life and when when I read it, I was like, surely not. I think that's perhaps an over-exaggeration, but I've been literally watching it on repeat since. And it is a fucking spectacular header. It is out of this world. To to jump that far, to get the trajectory of the ball so it loops over into the, the top right corner. Oh my God, it was outrageous. And I, I, I was in awe of the man last night. What, what do you think? 
I yeah, I agree. I mean, he has first of all, my favorite statistic is that he now has three yeah. goals on the season, uh, all of which have been assisted by William. <laughs> so that's fun. But, that's funny. Um, you know, proof of his impact. But I think two things that I want to point out about the header, other than the fact that it's absolutely brilliant. Um, the first is the run, you know, the fact that he's started from actually around the edge of the 18, he's seen this cross looping in and he has fully cut off, like stepped in front of our, of Alba, you know, striker, captain, goal scorer extraordinaire. He has literally (laughs) shoved him to the side and gone up for this header that there's so much confidence, but there's so much anticipation there. Like just the ball reading is brilliant. And I think in terms of the technique on the header, it's almost Aguero-esque um, back, you know, t- three or four years ago when that was a really common tactic of theirs when they would have Sterling on the right flank and would, you know, chop these cross ba- crosses back and Aguero would just pop up on the back shoulder of a defender and float it across goal over the goalie's head into the side of ne- side netting. Um, it was a constant theme and it was, you know, it was a goal that they scored a lot. My best friend's a City fan, so I watched a fair few of those games with him. But it really is a striker's header from a center back, and it's just yeah. I mean, it was Ronaldo esque the way he he jumped so high and just looped it so perfectly. Um, It air Gabriel. Yeah, (laughs) what did he put on his Twitter? Like um, Emirates Company or something? It didn't make any sense, but I was so here for it. Um, And uh, yeah, I was. Absolutely delighted to see that header loop in. Um, was it was it the pick of the bunch out of the goals, Mac? I mean, we scored three spectacular ones, really spectacular. Yeah, I mean, there was a funny um, photo by the out-of-context Arsenal Twitter account, which I am always a large supporter of, that, um, that was the goalie completely turned around, like facing fully backwards in a dive as Odegaard's shot went in. <laughs> I mean, first of all, what a way to open your account in an Arsenal shirt. It's just beautiful. But, you know, I think it's got dip, it's got swerve. There's zero spin on the ball, which is so hard to do. Um, and I think especially after fluffing that early finish about three yards wide, it was, you know, it's really good that he's able to kind of get back into goal scoring form i say get back into get into goal scoring Mm. form you know and prove to us that he can actually hit the target when called upon um his goal was lovely and then yeah i think but i think out of the three gabriel's was definitely the most beautiful yeah and that's not to take anything away from our man moel nanny uh that was (laughs) a rocket from him as well which uh, none of us were expecting um no, I mean he scored he scored three goals ever in an Arsenal shirt, I think, and they've all been just stunning. Yeah. Like he loves that, you know, inside left position, just smacking it towards the right post and seeing if it goes in. Um yeah, I think the only reason I'm not saying, oh, let's kind of elevate that is even though it was an absolute thunderbolt, it was kind of with the run of play at that point, you know, Olympiacos were tired, they weren't really in the game. Not say it's an easier goal to score. It's not. The technique is very challenging, and I love him for it. But um, I just think, you know, given the state of the game as well, Gabrielle's header was so, so important. Like, I, oh, that was kind of the moment of relief when I, you know, knew everything was going to be all right. So I think emotionally as well, that helped. Yeah. Well, okay, on Gabrielle, with the North London derby coming up, 
this weekend. And this is one that sort of I'm racking my brain over because I, I, I don't know um, what the sort of way to go is because I think Pablo Marie was also fantastic against Burnley. And usually we've had Gabriel going out for the league matches and Marie coming in and then Gabriel starting the Europa League matches. Does Gabriel start against Spurs? Um, I'm going to put my opinion out there first. I, I think he does because it's a North London derby. And as we've sort of hinted at in the show already, he's our best centre-back. Um, but then that perhaps might even be harsh on Marie. Um, and then I guess also, who does he start alongside? Yeah, I think it's a question of what Arteta will like will look to do. Um, as you've already mentioned, Gabriel is a very front foot defender. He's very good at pushing forward aggressively. You know, Marie is very talented at kind of sitting deeper, at soaking up pressure, at waiting for attackers to come to him. So, you know, the question is against a currently rampant front three of Harry Kane and Hyungman Son and Bale, you know, do you want to press them higher and potentially give them that space in behind? Or are we going to sit in a deeper block, give them the multitudes of possession that they usually waste, and then try to hit them on the counter? You know, out Mourinho, Mourinho to an extent. I think mm. there are inherent risks in playing Gabriel because he is prone to a foul, a chippy foul kind of on the halfway line. And we know how much Kane and Son both dive. Yeah. Um, they're very good at drawing fouls. They're very good at simulating. Um, and they're very good at putting their bodies in places of contact that will draw fouls for the other team. Um, and I think with Arsenal being a team that does not foul much, but has a very high proportion of fouls to yellow cards, I think we have the second highest in the league um, of you know proportion of fouls committed to the amount of yellows we receive. Um, I think playing Gabrielle is a dangerous game. Always. So I think I'm going to oppose you. I disagree. I think Mary's going to start. Okay. That's, uh, yeah. That might be the first ever disagreement on the Extra Cannon podcast. <laughs> Don't worry. There'll be uh, plenty more to come, I'm sure. Um, so, okay. I think you you could, could indeed be right, um, which is a shame. And. Um, oh, I would love to see Gabriel start, trust yeah. me. But yeah, I just don't think he will. I think what we can agree on, though, I'm pretty sure Rob Holding is going to partner him. Yeah. Regardless of who starts. Do you agree? Okay. I mean, I'm not sure if I do, to be honest. I, I think that Louise could start again because, you know, he, he's he been the constant in the Premier League alongside Marie. And, uh, but perhaps his recent errors against Olympiacos mean that uh, indicators that he needs a rest. I don't know. I mean, I'd personally like to see holding start, but Arteta loves a bit of David Luiz right now. Um, you made an, an interesting point about um, how Arsenal should approach the game, perhaps either sit off or, or try and dominate it. I mean, Thomas Partey came off early, which indicates he will start. Does... He's a player who has played over under Simeone for a few years now, and he's m- m- well, obviously not anymore. But he he's a master of of the low block. Does do we do we go for that approach? If you're Mikel Arteta, do we maybe sit off and and just let Spurs waste possession? 
Um, I think if you're Mikel Arteta, the thought has occurred to you and has immediately been chased out of your mind with a broom. Um, no, not a chance. That's not how Arteta plays. I think also in his post-match press conference against Lipiakos, he didn't withdraw Partey because of a tweak or an injury or anything. He withdrew him for tactical yeah. reasons, you know, um, to bring in Ceballos and kind of try to get a different aspect of the game. But also, it must be said, probably to rest him at least a yeah. little bit for a North London derby in which, you know, last time out, he kind of lost us the game because he was not where he needed to be because he pulled up injured. And we don't want that happening again. Yeah. Um, and of course, he had been fantastic before that, before he kind of pulled up lame. So I think, I mean, he will, of course, start. But his big thing is, yes, he's incredible at sitting in a low block. But his work mm. in the transitions and his press resistance especially is what makes him a valuable asset to this team going forward. And I think Arteta is really going to use that against Spurs because they have a tendency to overcommit and to overpress high. And sometimes they can get really smacked on the yeah. counter because of it. Perhaps Party is someone that Arteta just looks at and thinks, you're my big game guy. Uh, I mean, I think I read that Simeone was actually, that was one of the big reasons he didn't want to let Party go because he thought he was so important to him in big games. Um, and, of course, we rushed him back for the Spurs match. He played an imperious role against um, Man United earlier in the season. Against, And then at home, he wasn't quite as good because he, he looked like he was struggling a bit in terms of fitness. Would you say that, I mean, I don't want to sort of paint Spurs to be something that they're not because a lot of people have been saying that they're this fantastic team which I really don't think they are but do you think that our um, sort of end result in this game will, will hinder upon perhaps a, a strong party performance? I think any result especially against Spurs is going to be mm. based in the midfield because that's where they make you pay you know their physicality, they're chippy. If they can stop you from establishing a rhythm and can just pummel you in the center of the park, they are going to win. Um, it's a Mourinho tactic that has been used since Mourinho started coaching, and it doesn't fail. Um, and I think it's going to be important to play a midfield that can combat that. So, yeah, I think if Partey plays well, we have a significantly increased chance of winning. Thank you, Michael <laughs> Owen. Um, yeah, no, it's just... I, I think, um, is it predicated upon a party masterclass? No, I don't think so. I think we have the tools that even if he plays an okay game, we can work without it. But I think we are, you know, if he's on top form, we will have a much more, much more of a fighting chance. Yeah. If you want my absolute honest thoughts on Spurs, um, lately they've been much better. I'll give it to them. They're... Expected goals reflect that. Um, I think the last few games that they've won, they've deserved to, according to XG, um, which hasn't been the way with Spurs this season. I think the reintroduction of Bale has been absolutely crucial. Um, and it's almost like they forgot that they've got this brilliant player just sitting on the bench for them every week. Uh, and, you know, he'll cause problems. I don't really doubt that. Um, but I still think that it will be really fascinating to see how Mourinho sets up because if he sets up in the counter-attack style that, um, that beat us 
earlier in the season. I'm not sure it'll work this time around. I think that we've improved like astronomically in, in an attacking sense. We're much better at breaking teams down and Spurs' defence is nothing special. You know, say they set up in the, the exact same way they did when they beat us 2-0 at, uh, at their place. Do you think they'll get the same result? Um, Not really. No. I mean, to be honest, a lot of their results, I was looking at their league results. Um, 4-1 over Palace was their last mm. game. Before that, it was one nothing to Fulham, which is nothing to write home about. Before that, it was 4 nothing against Burnley. Yeesh. Um, and then they have three losses before that. But, you know, they have been able to recapture form partially through, actually, the Europa League. I mean, sorry that playing Wolfsburger and beating them 8-1 yeah. is, you know, a recipe for success. But, like, Bale has found form, and Kane is in form, and Son is in form, because they have, you know, they've won three on the bounce and five if you inclu- if you include Europa League. And they are a team that's flying, but also a team that's now relying on dominating their mm. opponents and on kind of imposing on them and spending more time in their half. Um, you know, and I think in classic Mourinho style, he's not the biggest fan of that. He'll probably want his team to sit back a little bit more and soak up pressure, which they've been, you know, they've been getting worse at doing, actually. Uh, and as you mentioned, their defense is nothing special. No. So I don't know. I think it'll be a bit of a hybrid game from both teams. I honestly think it'll be pretty back and forth because I think Arteta will want, above all else, not to make mistakes and not to concede goals. Mm. Mourinho will want to kind of get that advantage and will want to get the early goal and then, you know, settle in, but also will want to maintain the defensive record that they've got going right now and kind of maintain their run of form. So I think both teams will be called upon to defend stringently and to attack well which basically just means it's going to be utter chaos. That's why I think it's going to be a much more open game than we've seen in the past. Um, because I think both managers are coming into this, both needing and desperately wanting a win. Yeah. Yeah, and knowing Arsenal fans, uh, there will be tumultuous sort of um, outcry if, if we don't if we don't grab the three points. And I think it is a game we can win. It's actually Mikel Arteta's first game against Spurs at the Emirates Stadium as Arsenal manager. Every game we've played against him so far has been uh, away with Mikel at the helm. So, um, yeah, that'll be an interesting dynamic. And I think that could contribute to a more a f- more front foot performance, to be honest. Um, you know, it always means more at home. I know there's no fans and uh, that sort of down... It, Poop is the party, doesn't it? The lack of fans. Um, but it will still mean something to Arteta. And um, if we can do a job on them, it would be a, a big day. And I think it would really be our first win against a, a top six side, which we 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 would produce with, with a bit of fun about it. And I'm not saying that that's a certainty, but that's what I would like to see. Um well, first win on with on, against the top six side under Arteta. I mean, um, but yeah, it will be a really interesting one. Um, you say back and forth. Does does that mean still still a draw in your mind, Mac? Oh, that's so difficult. Um, <laughs> I think emotionally, my brain is screaming a three-two win. Um, I think with the amount that we're conceding, it's going to be impossible yeah, not to concede no more. Sheet. But 
No, absolutely not. Not against this team and not in the form they're in. No. But I think we have the tools to stymie them, and I think we have the tools to outscore them right now, considering, again, the form we're in. Um, so, you know, I think it's either going to be a 1-1 draw, which will happen when Spurs will score early, and we will spend the entire first half fighting back, look better, and then score one early in the second half and call it. Or it's going to be a very open game, very end-to-end, very combative, lots of yellow cards, and it'll end 3-2 to the Arsenal. There you go. That would be nice to see. Um, I'm going to say 3-1 Arsenal. Um, I think that that is dependent on Spurs turning up and sitting in. But I think if they do that, we're going to do a job on them. Uh, because I think we're good enough to now. I think we've made such progress since we've last played them. Um, and do you know what, Matt? I think that such a result will be really reliant on Nicolas Pepe. I mean, he came on against Olympiacos for 10 minutes, and I don't think that there was an Arsenal player who excited me more on the night than Pepe. He... He is a live wire at the moment, and I love it. He's the player now that I wanted him to be when we signed him. He is just... And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself um, because it might go back to where he was a few weeks ago in a matter of a matter of days. It, you know, you can lose form in, in a second. Um, but he looks a different animal at the moment. Um, and I... I you know, if it's between him and Saka at the weekend, I mean, I guess you have to go for Saka because of his recent form. But I would be gutted not to see him start because I'm loving what I'm seeing for from him. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, well, first of all, you go back a few weeks ago and he's in his sterling run of form where he dropped the wonder goal, our goal of the month, incidentally, against yeah. Wolves and was in really good form off the left wing. Um I think it's going to be a struggle because I think that, you know, Arteta believes that we are too overbalanced when we have Saka and Tierney on the left side. Mm. Um, I think with Pepe's current run of form and just the way he looks, okay, I let think me that could be overstated. Go for it. Have it. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that we're overbalanced when Pepe and Saka start together? Because I think that Saka is very much capable of playing in that sort of half space inside channel and not not raining on Tierney's parade. I I don't think because of his capability with his right foot, I think that they can play together and Saka can play on the left in that in that space inside, allowing Tierney to to overlap while Pepe can go on the right. That's that's my opinion. Anyway, I don't think Pepe and Tierney on the right works because they both like playing out wide. But Saka is a player who likes operating in that in that half space, as I say, in between the the wing and the middle of the box, and I think that that those two are capable of playing together. Oh, I absolutely agree. I just think that after you know, during the first half of the season when we had that combination of Pepe out right, Saka out left, and just got nothing done, um, mm. you know, and it was just so one sided. We looked boring. We were easy to defend, and we were lumping in fifty crosses a game. I think, you know, if it works now, it works now. But I wonder if Arteta might be hesitant to return to that system, even though we're playing mm. an entirely different game. Um, so on the topic of system, Rob, who do you think is going to start? Shall we go through our predictions? 
Yeah, why not? Um, so Leno, obviously, between the sticks. Um, and then how are we going to do this sort of together or should we do separate ones? Uh, I reckon, you know, I agree with Leno first off, but do you want to do, just do it by lines? So back four, then midfield, then, you know, yeah. attacking three, then striker? Yeah, absolutely. All right, go for it. What's your back four? All right, back four. Um, I'm going to say, hopefully, I think I would hope it would be Cedric. I think it will be, will be Bellerin. Um, mm. I think we're then going to play uh, Rob Holding, Pablo Murray, and who could ever forget about Kieran Tierney? How about you? Yeah, I mean, you, you, you've you got to agree with that. I, I, know, I do actually think Cedric will start. Um, he's well-rested, and especially if Pepe starts, which I do think will be the case, that seems to be the combination he Pep, uh, Arteta likes on that right-hand side. Um, but then again, if Saka starts on the right, I think Bellerin will start. Uh, having said that, I think Bellerin was actually pretty good last night. Uh, M product wasn't always there, but um, his, his link-up play was really nice and he defended well, which I think deserves a little mention. What's your... Yeah, certainly certainly rare for Bellerin. Um, you want to take holding midfielders first? I don't think there's going to yeah. be a debate here. Uh, well, it's party and Shaka, isn't it? It yeah. is party in Granite Shaka. All right, on to the attacking three. I'll let you go first again. Um, Mr. Privilege. Yeah, thank you. Um, right, so on the right, um, Saka through the in the hole. I think Smith Rowe will come back in, and on the left, um, I think Bamiang might start on the left. I just have a niggling feeling that because I just don't think it's the sort of game that you can you can drop a Bamiang in your club captain. But then I, I think Lacazette should also start. What do you think? Um, yeah, you stole the words right out of my mouth. I do think because I've predicted Bellerin, I do think Saka's certainly going to start on the right, especially given his run of form. Um, I think that Smith Rowe and Odegaard is a difficult combination. However, I do think because we don't have a true, you know, I agree with the bombing out left. I had the same inclination. Yeah. And I think because we don't have a true winger um, in someone like Pepe or Willian out wide um, and a bombing through the middle, then we will likely start Smith Rowe, especially because he's kind of just come back. Um, you know, he got some time against Olympiacos. He is fully match fit. And Odegaard has played, what, four matches in a row now? Yeah. So I think it'll be good for him to just get like a half off, stay fresh. Um, if we had more time, I would love to have talked about his performance against uh, Olympiacos as well. But you know what? I think he, when he does come off the bench, assuming in around the 50th to 60th minute, he is going to put in a masterclass. Yeah. I'm very excited to see him against Spurs. So, yeah. And then I assume that means you also think Lacazette is starting up front? Yeah, I do. I think Lacazette is such a fantastic player for a North London derby. Um, I just think he, he knows it. And he's not necessarily someone I, I always start in a big game. Um, but I, I love the guy sometimes um, in in these sorts of uh, sort of cagey affairs because he has that physicality which you need. Um, yeah, what, what's your justification for starting Lacazette? Because I reckon this could be one that sort of divides opinion. 
Yeah, I mean, he does tend to really pop up in these situations. You know, he does tend to love scoring in North London Derby. He just always does. Um, well, you know, with the exception of the 2-0 loss, but we don't talk about that. Um, (laughs) No, but he genuinely, he has this habit of not even big games, but in the big rivalry games of popping up, of making a difference. I mean, if you remember our, what was it, the 4-2 win? Two years back, yeah, when he's scored like the sliding yeah, he came left on. footer yeah. in the bottom corner. Uh, yeah, he came as a sub, but um, well, that was a ridiculous game. Ridiculous game, so much fun to watch. Yeah. Uh, Lucas Torreira scoring the fourth goal. I <laughs> was in love with him at the time. But um, generally, though, I think Lacazette deserves to start. He's had a little bit of time out of the lineup, but I think he will be sharp. He will be fresh. He'll be raring to go and. He does tend to combine better with a number 10 that'll run the hard yards like Smith Rowe. Not to say Odegaard won't because he does. But, you know, Smith Rowe's a runner, Odegaard's a passer. And that's how they create chances. And I think, you know, he's going to be key, especially to our build-up play, especially countering that defensive threat of Pierre-Emile Hoiberg, uh, who's been faultless this season. Mm. Yeah, no, um my justification is that he's probably the best man for the job because honestly, I would not a fast central striker against a Mourinho system has proven time and time again that it's not patient enough. So I think yeah. I'll see about wide anyway. Yeah. I mean, we, we, if we do, it will be the first time we see him out wide for a while because he's mainly been playing through the middle, which has been nice. But I think this is the sort of game where he could thrive from that side, sort of, especially against someone like Aurier or Doherty, a right, a right back, whoever starts. I mean, just just attack them because they're not good right backs. Um, and yeah, so overall, we've gone for Leno and goal, a back four of either Cedric or Bellerin, depending on who starts on the right, but probably Bellerin because we think Saka's going to start. And then you've got. Um, what did you say, Holding or Louise? Um, I said Holding, but I think you think yeah. Louise. So Holding or Louise? I think um, Holding. If, right. Yeah, I think yeah. Louise will be dropped because of the mistakes he made, and I think he could just do with the rest. Uh, and then left centre back, we've got Marie. Left back, Tierney. G- uh, double pivot of um, Party and Shaka. Then three behind Lacazette uh, are. Saka, Smith Rowe, and Aubameyang. That sounds good. Yep. All right, Rob, without further ado, shine me a spotlight. What is your spotlight this week? Okay. Um, so I've, I'm sort of stuck between two at the moment. Um, but, okay, I'm just going to go with, with the one this week. I know they're playing Man City uh, this weekend, but but go and watch Fulham. Fulham are great fun at the moment. Not only are they in a relegation battle, but they're playing football the right way. They've got a few stars in that team who I'm just such big big fans of. Josh Madger up, up front, who was one of the stars of the, the Sunderland Netflix documentary. And then deeper, you've got players like... Um, Frank Zambo and Gita, who I adore and think is someone that Arsenal should be going after this summer. Uh, and then in defence, uh, Tosin Adrobayo is fantastic. Uh, he they, they signed him for two million or something, and he is such a great defender. Uh, so, yeah, that that's my spotlight for this week. Go watch Fulham. Fair enough. I think my spotlight for this week is going to be 
one of the best single-handed performances I've ever seen by, I think, a player on one night given a a potential upset, um, and that is FC Porto's own Sergio Oliveira. Um, I'm not sure how many of you watched the Juve Porto game, but he was magisterial. I mean, he almost single-handedly locked down Juventus's entire midfield. He managed to just frustrate the living daylights out of Ronaldo. But when it came down to do the business, he scored a penalty, first of all, and what a penalty it was. Just stunning. Absolutely beautiful goal. But his free kick to send Porto through might have been one of the most gorgeous strikes of a ball I've ever seen. Um, He's about 40 yards out, and Juventus sets up the wall, committing the cardinal sin these days of not having a man to block the low strike. (laughs) he tees up looks like he's going to bend it into the top corner and then just hammers it under the wall nutmegs a jumping Ronaldo on the way nestles it perfectly into the bottom corner of Porto go through I mean it was it was amazing and I had been watching the game with a couple of my friends and you know he lines up for the free kick and I literally said this one's going in I just I had a feeling and he proved me right um he is unfortunately 28, so I don't think a transfer target that I'd like to see come to Arsenal. I'm not going to hype that up in any way. He's also a proven commodity, and I'm not sure he would fit our system. But just if you do have the opportunity to watch Porto in the Champions League quarterfinals, focus on him because he makes everything tick. He's a lovely player to watch. Yeah, I mean, I, I did watch the match. It was fantastic. Um, I was sort of rooting for Juve at certain points because Ramsey was playing for them and I'm a huge Aaron Ramsey fan. Um, but then as uh, the story developed, the sort of... Um, the the sort of um, big team against little team aspect of it, David versus Goliath, uh, it, it overwhelmed me and it was great to see Porto go through, really something of a Champions League fairy tale. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was a nice one to watch. Anyway, uh, yeah, you have I was been... going to say, not to mention Ronaldo and Messi out of the Champions League for the first time since 2006. Yeah. yeah. All right, back to you. It's crazy. Well, yeah, it's uh, at the end of an era, it seems, on that front. Uh, no doubt they'll, they'll both probably get through next season, though, uh, knowing those two. Um Regardless, you have been listening to the Extra Cannon podcast. It has been the third installment. Uh, We'll be back next week, hopefully, with uh, Arsenal having a confirmed place in the the quarterfinal of the Europa League. Whilst um, Daniel, Alfie and I will also be back uh, to cover um, the North London derby, which I'm sure that me and Mac will also cover a little bit in that show, especially if it's a good result. Uh, which which are all, which we're all hoping for. Anything to add, Mac? No. Uh, thank you for listening to the only Canon podcast this week. Uh, it's very important to us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, as always, give it a like, give it a share, tell your friends, tell your family, tell your grandma. Um, yeah, that's about it for me. Thank you all so much. Yeah. Uh, and I second that. Thanks for listening. Uh, share it. Do whatever you want with it. I guess as long as it is, as long as it's positive, and um, yeah. Uh, Thanks for joining us and uh, see you next week. Goodbye.